What happens when friendly people land in a place that's not as open? Well, we're about to find out. Welcome to Friends on Hand, the podcast where we explore the fine art of friendship. I'm Nancy Hand, friendship and social confidence coach. And today we are talking to a new friend that I met named Julie De Palma, and she's awesome. We've been talking food for like 15 minutes now. And Julie is a world traveler with a passion for learning. And after a lifetime of teaching, she's currently an education and program director for STEM programs in Canada. She also loves to learn on her own and is right now learning code and sign language like a complete boss. I'm really looking forward to the rest of this conversation. So far, I've just had a ball. Thank you so much for joining me, Julie. Uh, hi, Nancy. It's uh, Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk about friendship and food and traveling and everything in between. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so we have also, we met in a group called Girls Love Travel on Facebook and just connected there and uh, met offline and, and did some, some little Zooming. And just tell my listeners about a little bit about your journey, where you are, how you got there, and uh, something about you. And then we'll talk more about food because, duh. (laughs) (laughs) Food is a good way to make friends. Um, So I'm currently living in Victoria, Canada. Uh, I've been here for two years. And before that, I was in Vancouver. Prior to that, I was in France, which which is where I'm originally from. And then before that, I was in Australia and traveling all over there. And before all of that, I was in England. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I've been to about 15 countries so far. And hopefully once COVID restrictions get lifted and things get easier to travel wise, I can add a few more to my list. <laughs> okay. So you are from the south of France, correct? Yes. Um, like a town called Toulon. It's in between Marseille and Nice, closer to Marseille. Um gorgeous weather it's by the mediterranean sea and it's actually very similar to the town i'm living in right now uh, victoria mm-hmm. like both of them a big employer is the army in my hometown it's the navy um both of them have a lot of like older people that retire their uh, families and also students because they're both university balls. And you know what? It's weird to end up in a place like the one I grew up in and left for good reasons. <laughs> well, one of the things you, you mentioned the other day was that the, a lot of the people there are very happy to stay there and never go anywhere. Yeah. And it's it very, is nice. It, it is a beautiful place. Don't get me wrong. Like BC is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I mean, I would love more sunshine, but hey, it's Canada and it's the best weather in Canada. So I can't complain. Uh, <laughs> it's already, I, th- I think it's already snowing in Alberta and it might have been for a couple of months. So BC is pretty chilled that way. Yeah. Um, I, I don't do cold very well. Uh, I grew up in a place that where like, I think this week my parents were telling me it's like 30 degrees wow. <laughs> where I come from. <laughs> Yeah, so BC was definitely different, but it's very similar to Oxford, where I used to live in England. So uh, no problem there. But uh, yeah, it's people here are interesting. Like they don't want to leave their island. Okay. But they Mm -hmm. also think, even without leaving, that it's the best place to live ever and that nothing compares and everything is better here. And I'm like, how do you know if you've never been anywhere else? <laughs> um, 
and it's really quite funny because in my hometown, a lot of people are like that too. They're like, oh no, why would I go anywhere? This is the best place ever. I, I don't understand. I don't know if you've had this thing before, Nancy, and talking to people, but like people yeah. that tell me it's the best place <laughs> ever, ever when they've never been anywhere, you're like, hmm. <laughs> I have not lived in a place like that yet. <laughs> I think, I, I mean, I know there are people who never, who never really leave um, like New Orleans. Sometimes oh, they have to, sometimes they have to though, but um, n- not, not to that degree. I do. I've heard stories of people who've never left Manhattan Island. Um, no need, right? Why would you leave a Manhattan? <laughs> so, um, so it's possible. It's definitely a thing. Um, Tell me a little bit about about just you. You said you moved right before COVID, sort of. What um, talk about no. that a little bit? So I moved here uh, two years ago, so last last September. Um, so it's been a bit over two years, and uh, it's been a struggle from the get go. Let's be honest. Like, so I moved here because my partner is originally from the island, and he has a house here. Uh, if you get, if you're from BC and you're listening, you know what the housing market is like. So you know why we moved here. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Um, and I was really excited because I'd come to Victoria before as a tourist to visit him, to visit his family, and to just check it out. And I really liked it. I thought, oh, it's a nice little town. There's there are lots of restaurants and people are so nice. And I think that's a problem. They're really nice, but they don't really want to make space for newcomers at least it takes a while because it's been two years and i've made exactly zero friends in two years wow and uh everybody that knows me is like how did that even happen like you would talk to a wall (laughs) right well that's that's sort of the vibe i get and i'll just ask you my like super favorite question ever nature or nurture did you do did you arrive on earth like this or or did you did you have to learn to be more open and friendly? Uh, my understanding is that as soon as I could talk, I talked like a book. Nice. <laughs> so I think I've always been really talkative. You uh, are like one of two people to answer that question as as an extrovert. Most everybody's like, well, no, I'm shy. Yeah, not me. <laughs> so I'm an extrovert, but... Like, I really like deep, meaningful connections. Yes. Like, I never go into making a connection thinking, uh, like, I'm just making conversation to make conversation. I'm like, this person is interesting. I want to talk to them. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a really random example. Uh, We're still in touch, but we're not, like, we're... I guess the friendship kind of wore off. But uh, so one day I was on the sky train in Vancouver. No, actually, I was on the bus first. So and I hear these two ladies talking about uh, uh, dyeing their hair and like uh, bleaching it first and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, oh, I should really tell them about the hairdressing school in Vancouver because it's really cheap and they do a really good job because they have people watching over them. Uh, and then we ended up on the same sky train. And it was a lot less crowded than the bus. And then they asked me something about the SkyTrain line. And I'm like, oh, we just passed that stop. And then I was like, oh, by the way, <laughs> I heard you talking about hair earlier. And da 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 da. And so we started talking. And one of the ladies, uh, her name is Haley. And we ended up talking for nearly an hour. 
and then we swapped number and then we <laughs> met up for coffee <laughs> and a bunch of like and we met a bunch of other time and then like life took us in different direction and I moved to the island and we kind of let it like disappear. I mean, we're still in touch from time to time and checking in on each other on Facebook occasionally. But like, yeah, my friends are right. I can talk to a wall. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, yeah, I make random connections and I like it. Well, and, and you have traveled so much and you've lived in several different places. I would be curious to know, um, how do you keep in touch? How do you keep in touch with friends that you've made? on your travels and, and in your different, um, I guess the different places you've lived. Um, WhatsApp is a big one. Uh, mess- messenger and Facebook in general. Um, honestly, it depends on the friend. Um, two years ago now, I went back to England after not being there for 10 years. Uh, mm. they were friends there that I met up with and I hadn't seen in 10 years. And we just picked up where we left off. I think the biggest thing about keeping friendship when you move around is knowing which one to let go, even if it can be painful, and knowing which one are worth like making this extra effort to keep in touch. Mm. And I think sometimes the friends you make, they are the one who reach out more. And it's important, I think, that they feel valued too. So I have a really good friend in England and I felt like an ass, let's be honest. Uh, Sorry (laughs) if that's something you need to believe at, Nancy. No, that's Uh, fine. We're good. We're good. uh, But um, she was always Uh the one reaching out. And then I think she got tired of it, which I totally understand. So then I started to kick myself in the butt and be like, hey, you have to reach out. She always does the reaching. It's time for you to pick it up. So I think it's about give and take, like any other friendship. You're, mm-hmm. you're there for people when you can be there, and you're there in the way you can be. But like, I don't know. I think if people, if you have a truly, truly deep connection with people, you don't lose them over distance or time. These friends, you just... I had friends in England that I hadn't seen in 10 years, and we went and had dinner, and picked up where we left off. I love that. And have you had, have, I mean, tell us about the letting go because that was, you, you just brought up something we haven't talked about on the podcast yet, which is the, the, the picking and choosing because it does, you know, some effort is involved with maintaining friendships. How do you know, how do you know when they're worth keeping? Um, that's what I, th- I was saying before. I think it's a give and take. Yeah. Because if if you're the one always doing the giving and the reaching out, eventually it's going yeah. to dwindle because it means the other person doesn't have the same commitment. And it's like any kind of relationship. If only one person is committed, it's not going to go really far. Fair. Fair. So, and so uh, you 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 decided this is this is worth it for me to step up and start reaching out and picking up the ball. Honestly, like it's something I learned over time. I had a really good tendency before to uh, tend to attract narcissistic people that needed to be like may may have someone around making them feel better and stuff. Mm. And so I got I had friendship before where people used me more than they should have. And I think traveling. One of the cool thing about traveling is there were some people I thought I was close to that just fell on the wayside 
And it was painful, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what? If that's all it took for them to fade out of my life, maybe they weren't worth my time. And it's funny because now it's carried over to my life here. Like, I think that's also one of the reasons it's been so hard for me to make friends here is <clears throat> I don't just want acquaintances. It's, it's meaningless yeah. to me. Like, it's nice to know people. Don't get me wrong. I have colleagues and neighbors and stuff like that. And I know my neighbors. I'm one of these people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> no, really, I talk to my neighbors. I, I think I know everybody, like, we live in a townhouse complex and I think I know maybe two thirds of the people that live here and there are 17 houses. Wow. 17 houses. I <laughs> <Yeah>. love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our cat cool. helps with that. We used to take our own walks, but um, yeah, I just, I don't, just don't see the point of wasting time on people, you know, are never going to be really, truly your friend and now just kind of filling time. Okay. I have I'm not sure better- how to pick a, a really good question that that comes from that is okay. So you know a lot of people. Clearly, you're you you've you've done a survey of the land and the the potential relationships <clears throat> that are there. How do you know when somebody is is a good fit? When it's you know they're good for the long haul? Like what do you look for in a friend that uh, maybe that you're not finding where you are right now? Um, I don't think you ever know if they're good for the long haul. It's like a relationship. Mm-hmm. You never know when you start. I, I think you know when you look down, you look back and you're like, oh, cool. We've been friends for like 20 years. How did that happen? It's like yeah. everything else. Um, but I think if you click, it, it sounds silly because a lot of people use that when they talk about uh, like love relationship. But I think it's very true in friendship. Mm-hmm. There are people with whom you click. You, you mm-hmm. just, you feel at home when you meet them and you don't feel uncomfortable at all. There is none of that awkwardness. It just works. Um, and I think what has been hard here in Victoria is when I moved to Vancouver, I was told, oh my God, it's so hard to make friends there. And I think I made my first friend in Vancouver within a week of arriving. (laughs) And she's still a friend, even though she went back to Ireland and we're still in touch and we see each other when we can. So I met really incredible people in Vancouver and I really felt like I found my tribe. So I think it's made it that much harder to find people here because I just don't Mm. want the superficial stuff. It just... Yes, I'm happy to get on with my neighbor and chat with them and <clears throat> with my colleagues and all of that. But if I have people in my life that I call friends, I want them to really be my friends. Show up when shit hits the fan. Sorry. Yeah, I really need fine. to watch my language. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's good. Uh, and like, <laughs> yeah, no, but it's not just for you. Uh, um, so like one thing that shocked me when we moved here is my partner is from the island. He grew up in Duncan. Mm-hmm. And only one of his friends ca- came and helped us move. And then his dad. Wow. And I'm like, the last time I moved in France, actually, not even me, my parents. So my parents moved and my friends came to help them move. And mm-hmm. they would have come and helped them even if I hadn't been there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what friendship is to me. People who show up. Yes. Yes. And and that actually, in, uh, when we, on the podcast, I had one of my best friends there. And one of the things that I, his, my compliment to him and my 
one of my things was, I mean, we've known each other since we were 14. He shows up like something important going on in my life. If it, even if it's a wild inconvenience for him, he makes it happen and he's there for it. Graduations and weddings and uh, birthdays and, um, you know, book signings and like he's there. He makes the time and he shows up. And I think that's so important, um, I guess, to really think about the, I guess, the responsibilities that also come with friendship or the, you know, the opportunities to deepen that relationship come when, when you can help each other. And it's not just about helping. It's also about being willing and able to accept help. Yeah. And it's what I meant about commitment. I think in friendship, like in a romantic relationship, there is a commitment. You're mm-hmm. there with your friend in the tough time and the fun wants to. It's not just about being there for the fun. Because if you have that kind of friend that are only there for the fun, but surprisingly disappear when anything goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is possible they are dealing with their own stuff and they are finding it hard to make space for you because they don't even have space for their own stuff. But at the end of the day, if that a con- that's a constant pattern, where is the commitment? Exactly. Exactly. Well, I want to, we had some conversation the other day about, about location and I've had a similar experience of, of your Victoria Island uh, one, as far as um, being in a small town where everybody's outwardly very friendly, easy to get to know <clears throat> to a certain depth. And then that's it. And it took us, um, and I'm like you. I can also talk to a wall. I've made friends in grocery stores that I still <laughs> that I still have, you know, right. 17 years later. Um, but it was, you know, as involved as I was, I, I jumped in. I was in clubs. I was, you know, doing all sorts of stuff. And it wasn't until I got into, um, I found a few other people, and we started a photography club. And that was when I found my people in that town. But that was 10 years after I moved there. I mean, it was just kind of a skeleton crew. And then we land in Memphis two years ago and we have friends like like real ones already. And I think that's remarkable. And you said something about the town um, just being basically the maybe is this is it the suburb? Is it is it kind of that feel where people are, are there having kids and getting education and retiring? And that's. Those are phases in life when people just aren't connecting, maybe? Or they're only connecting to people within the circle because they already have so many things going on that they don't really have time for people that require more work than their everyday life. That's possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, People here call it newly wed and nearly dead. (laughs) 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 And then there are the students. But uh, yeah, I always thought it was kind of funny and dark at the same time, but okay. It is. Uh, It is funny and it's dark. (laughs) uh, I don't have kids, but I have a lot of friends who do, and I have nieces and nephews, and I... Like kids take a lot of time, right? So yeah, sure. I think for a lot of parents and families, the time they make outside of family time, it has to be efficient and it's often centered on the kids, except if they have like childhood friends or things like that that are already part of their life. It can be really hard to get people to become part of that life. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of it. Uh, retired people, 
<laughs> I find a lot of older people tend to be very dissatisfied with what's going on in the world right now. And it's, and it's interesting. <laughs> but it's interesting because I'm pretty sure when they were younger, they felt the way I feel. And they were like, why are these, why are these older people so like angry uh, about all of this? Um, so we so just is- get off their lawn. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so there is this weird... Like, I think everybody in their lifetime, like, goes through this cycle of, like, becoming people they didn't think they would ever become. And then the question is, do you see it and decide to change it because this is not who you want to be? Or do you decide that you don't care and just keep going? (laughs) And so, I like, here in Victoria... Interestingly enough, so I use an app called Meetup, and in Vancouver, that's part of how I found my tribe. Oh, but here, yeah. Here, a lot of things are for people 50 and over, and it's not open to younger people. And I'm like, I don't care if these people are 50, if we have things in common. Why do they care if I'm like 39? <laughs> like, right. So there is, there is an ageism, like, there is a like dichotomy between age and activity. It's like, if I'm 39, I can't enjoy, I don't know, knitting. Like, I'm horrible at it, but I'm happy to learn. Uh, <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's very strange because I had never really seen that much anywhere else. But I guess here, like, I think it's something like nearly 40% of the population is retired and, like, 30% of the population what? is family. Like, no, it's crazy. Really? Yeah, no, no. It's, oh, my it's God. Crazy. Oh, you didn't tell me those stats earlier. Wow. Um, I was looking at those when COVID hit because we were worried about people <laughs> here because of the age, uh, like aging population. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, like, so like I live within, I was in, I live within walking distance of at least two schools here mm-hmm. and I'm not even downtown. So, <laughs> and wow. that's, yeah, no, like there are schools everywhere in Victoria. Uh, which is cool for the kids. Uh, but yeah, so I think there is just, and the campus, like the school campus, and it's the same in my hometown. It's kind of, it's in like the suburb-ish of the city. It's a bit isolated. So I think that doesn't help people mix together either. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's, it's a, it's, but it's funny that I ended up in a place that was like, where's a place where I, I grew up. <laughs> I mean, I understand it is gorgeous. So there's that. It's beautiful. Um, so tell us about the meetup because you did mention that um, as far as Vancouver. And I actually talked to somebody yesterday about Bumble BFF, which um, I, is the first like user report I've had. So Meetup, I have not had ever any um, call for it, even though even when we were in um, the smaller town in Alabama, when I looked around, nothing, nothing fit. You know, it was I don't fly drones, you know, (laughs) so that fair enough, you know, Uh, certain things. So how did you find people in Vancouver? So the first meetup I ever went to uh, was (laughs) um, breakfast for dinner. Uh, PJ, PJ and cartoons and I'm like that's my kind of people uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, it was in that it's in that little ca- like the the it's so the group is called Nerd HQ 
and uh-huh. uh, I, I think it's like everywhere else. Like you find your people or you don't, and sometimes it might take a bit of time. But I met uh, someone. There's a first evening I went, and we became fast friends, and we took um, uh, ASL, so sign language, uh, American sign language classes together. Uh, they're also bilingual, so it was interesting for us to pick up a third language. Mm-hmm. And so we'll like we'll meet up and do our homework together, and so that built a friendship. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'd always wanted to play D and D, and I was talking with uh, one of my roommates at the time, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Hey, dude, like, would you like to help me run a D and D group?" And then my life went got insane. So he ended up <laughs> being the one running the group, but I provided all the players, and so. Uh, according to my partner, it is one of the weirdest, biggest group he's ever played with because there were nine of us, uh, all uh-huh. women, all loud and boisterous for the most part. Uh, oh, my gosh. Our bard is a music teacher, and they would break into songs <laughs> and give us oh. bardic inspiration and stuff like that in song, in character. It was amazing. Uh, wow. And then we had people like flirting together, pretending to be exes. Uh, and it's just like, we ju- we were just ridiculous together, but we, we did, it took us three years to finish our campaign, uh, <laughs> because we only met once a month, sometimes less, depending on everybody's availability, because we're all really busy. But every time we met up, we did potluck and D&D. And it was just so nice to be together and share this food and catch up. And then go and slay random uh, random things and um, have crazy ideas where our uh, DM Dungeon Master, the, guy, the person who was uh, running the campaign, was like, uh, sure, uh-huh. let's try this. <laughs> uh, so he, he's very patient and very kind and, yeah, very, very patient because we would get on for half an hour about what we were going to do before moving on. So Funny. Uh, yeah. But it sounds like you were well matched. Yeah, it just it just worked out. Like the the our DM was also my roommate for five years. It, he's a really good person, and uh, yeah, I don't know. The group just worked, and so we actually created a side one where I was the dungeon master. Uh, it ended up breaking up because some people have visa had visa issues and some people had babies. <laughs> um, uh, and it's quite funny because the campaign I tried to run is called The Curse of Strad. And so the first time the group broke off and then I tried again in Victoria with my partner's best friend. And it also we also stopped playing because they were having a baby. So I'm like, this is the cursed campaign that's cursed. <laughs> oh, wow. <clears throat> so we're playing so, it for Halloween this year, so I'm excited to see what that looks like. Nice. Okay, and yeah. so you do a lot of this online now. So tell me about how you've adapted to COVID. Like, what has this done for your social life? Uh, actually, for me, it has improved it. Nice. So when COVID first hit, uh, everybody ended up with so much time in their hands, right, wherever they lived. So I spend a lot more time online, like uh, video chat and stuff with my sister and my brother-in-law and their kids and my parents and my brother and his kids and his partner, uh, but also with my friends because everybody had more time because nobody could mm-hmm. go anywhere. Um, so it actually made me feel better <laughs> because I was going really like stir crazy here 
knowing no one, feeling like there was no connection possible. So it, it actually gave me the opportunity to work on those connections I already have and just enjoy spending time with friends and family online. Uh, and then for DND, uh, it gave me the opportunity to make new friends because um, one of our friends suggested a game with some of his friends that live <clears throat> on the East Coast of Canada. And we just click and we just spend like three hours every two weeks just goofing around and being silly. Uh, and it's great. No, it's, it's really fun. Nice. So what do you think is coming up for you? Um, probably a move. <laughs> uh, my partner and I have been talking about Europe. So like, first I want to get my citizenship because we haven't decided yet where we want our life to be and having my Canadian citizenship because both France and Canada allow dual nationality would make my life easier if mm. we decide to come back here, sure. <clears throat> which we might. And we will always visit anyway because his family is here. Uh, but like uh, he's partly bilingual and he would like to become truly bilingual. So that would be nice. We would get to see my family more. And if we work in France, you get five weeks of paid holiday every year. <laughs> God, Which means that when dog. you go on holiday, you don't lose the weeks of salary you would have made. <laughs> Can you see my head in my hand right now? Uh, oh, America. Yeah. Oh, America. What Canada, is it with you and your, your two it, weeks? <laughs> yeah, Canada is the same. Uh, I used to live in Australia. Australia is also has also more holidays. England is very fairly similar to Canada and the U.S. this way. Uh, but yeah, paid holiday, man. It's pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> uh, my, I, I work for myself, so so I, I get to make <laughs> – I never get a holiday. <laughs> yeah, but, that's um, a problem. <laughs> I, I'm living the life and also um, it, I have to I have to actively pull the brakes and say, okay, stop you know, carve out yeah. time, but husband is good for that. Yeah. He, um, and he, he gets three weeks, which, which we're really happy about. And, but the rest of the world gets, you know, my friend in Sweden, she's like, we're taking the summer off. And I'm like, but what? <laughs> yep. It's uh, not fair. It's like teachers here in Canada, they get a couple of pro D days in a term. In France, you start beginning of September, then you have two weeks off, end of October, so start of November, and then you start school again, and then you have two weeks off for Christmas, and then you start again, and then you have two weeks off in February, and then you start again, and you have two weeks off in April, and then you finish in June, and you have nothing until September, and that's for, like, primary and middle school. When you're older, in general, you finish in, like, like May or April. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So... It's funny. I think I think Americans work too hard for not nearly enough return. The that one thing I really loved about Australia is like work hard, play hard. Like yeah. I, the cost of living in Sydney for me was equivalent to what it was in in Vancouver when I lived there, but mm -hmm. I was making a third more money, like a third. Wow! It's insane. Wow! Right. So it's um yeah, like that is huge. Oh, yeah. So is Victoria more expensive than Vancouver? No. So Victoria okay. is Ooh. much more expensive. I was going to say. <laughs> uh, saying that, some things are. So because we're on an island, so, uh, some of the products have to be brought over by ferry. So that adds to the cost. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but more importantly, salaries are a lot lower. So mm-hmm. when I lived in Vancouver as an ESL teacher, I made about $27 an hour before tax. Uh-huh. When I moved to Victoria, I was getting paid between $20 and $22 an hour for the same exact job. And oh. I wasn't getting paid for prep. Oh. Right? <laughs> the wow. only place the only place in Victoria that pays teachers really well, like ESL teacher, uh, is the University of Victoria. They have an English learning center. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> it takes so many years to get a permanent position that it's not even funny. So <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I actually started as an instructor with my current company, uh, teaching junior environmental classes. And I really liked the company. And then they were looking for a program coordinator. So hiring people, training people, developing a curriculum. And I'm like, this is all the stuff I love. And I've kind of enjoyed doing more and more of in the last few years. So, yeah, I'd like to try. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, and and, uh, the acting director and myself have very similar view on education. And it's about, like trying and figuring things that and not about like making something that works necessarily because I think that's <clears throat> something kids often learn at school is if you don't if you don't succeed the first time then you failed when right. yeah with with our classes it's like okay it doesn't work how can we fix it there is no there is no limitation. I mean, there is limitation physically <laughs> to what kids can do, but as in physics, not physical. Um, but if the, if it's something doesn't work, then you try until it works. And if it doesn't work after you've tried like 10 different things and you have no more ideas, either you can ask some friends for ideas or maybe you go back to the design board and you design something completely different. And it's not a failure. You just learned from making these things and you learn that they don't work that's okay yeah and that you know a lot of times there's a trial and error before you get it right so question uh, considering how how much you've traveled and also your um esl training how important is it to know a little bit of the language of a place does it make that much of a difference and i think i know but i'd like to hear your take uh, honestly, depends on the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to France, it does. <laughs> People are going to be really rude to you if you don't even try. Uh, it depends where. So <clears throat> some places in France are a bit more friendly than others. Um, I think part of it is the animosity towards the British, <laughs> even after all <laughs> these years. But, mm-hmm. but it's true. A lot of people that speak English, when they go to a new country, they just expect people to speak English. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of countries where they don't mind because, okay, they speak some English because they need it for tourism. But in France, <laughs> a lot of people get really, like, angry if you don't even try. Uh, but honestly, I feel like knowing a little bit of the language <clears throat> or even just knowing another language, you realize that being friendly, trying things out, and uh, a lot of hand gestures <laughs> take, gets you a long way. Um, I had meals in Thailand uh, on the side of a river at a local market that white people didn't really go to. And it was like $1.50 for a pad thai with prawn and a pineapple smoothie. 
And I was not able to talk to the people I ordered from. I kind of learned like, please and thank you and hi and bye. But that's all I was able to say. And the other stuff, I just pointed. And we managed. <laughs> and I got food and they got money. We're good. <laughs> I love it. And it, it has been a long time. It has been a long time. Il y a longtemps quand je parle français. It's in there. I've actually been up to um, decently conversational twice in French. But and honestly, once it's there, it stays there forever. Because my partner did French immersion, which is a thing here in Canada. Mm -hmm. When he met me, he hadn't spoken French in 17 years. Yeah. And, and now I would say it's at a high intermediate French level, conversation-wise. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Well, and that's, that's, I, I thought I'd lost it completely. And then um, I was, when I went back for my truffles that time and <laughs> I, and it took about, it took about 10, 10 hours, just a whole full day of being mm. in it, immersed in it, um, listening to it, listening to other people talk and, and just getting into it. And it started coming back. So it did, it did, you know, come back up and that week you know, by the end of the week, it was there again, but it did take a little bit of percolation in the, in the environment for that to happen. I got a little um, bit of German. <laughs> um, I think what happens is, uh, in general, like, cause, um, so before I moved to England, my English was rubbish. Uh, <laughs> I could speak Spanish pretty decently and now I can't speak Spanish. I can still understand it cause it's very similar to French and there is some stuff left behind in sure. my head. But the words that want to come out of my mouth are in English. <laughs> <laughs> um, but honestly, like, it's the vocabulary you kind of forget. But then as soon as you're surrounded by people that speak the language, it comes back very quickly. Our brain is really cool that way. It's like we store things yeah. in a way mm -hmm. nothing else does. <laughs> and that's the, when I finally got to a point in French when when it – I was at a, I actually remember I was in a cafe and I heard a language I couldn't identify and it, it was, they were behind me. It was a family talking and um, it took about 15 to 20 seconds for me to tune into English. And I was like, Oh wow. Cause I, I had crossed over the, the bridge where you're still translating everything in your head. Yeah. And I, I wasn't translating in my head anymore. And it, it just, that weirded me out completely. And just just for a little micron of a of a moment to hear English the way someone who's never spoken it would hear it was like wow, how neat. So it's funny because for me it's been a bit different because um, so when I moved to England I worked as an au pair for a family with three kids that um, the two older spoke fluent French because they had been all over the world and they went to French school. Uh, the, the dad actually used to uh, work in Switzerland, but he thought. France was more fun to live in, so they lived at the border. Duh. And then they moved to Pakistan, <laughs> and they also went to French school. And then they moved to Vietnam, and they also went to French school. Uh, so, And it was interesting because I was speaking English and French all the time. Because at home, I was speaking French. At school, I was speaking English. I was speaking English with the parents, but French with the kids. I was speaking I, – I didn't have any French friends because I was staying away from French people uh, to make sure. I, no, but to make sure I was learning English because yeah, sure. 
a lot of people, once they find people that speak their language, they just don't speak the language they're trying to learn. Uh-huh. And so for me, I realized I was truly bilingual when I went past people and I understood what they said. And I looked at my friend. I'm like, was he speaking English or French? I could not tell. My brain wow. was so like, it just made sense of the words. But afterwards, because I hadn't been paying attention, I just caught the words. I was like, I have no idea if they say them in English or in French. <laughs> nice. It's weird, right? <laughs> it is. It is really weird. And it's, I think, um, and you're making me want to kind of go back and revisit, revisit that in, in my air quotes spare time. But um, it's important. I think it's really good for your brain too. Really, really good for your brain just to, to stay sharp and healthy and that kind of thing. And I wanted to ask you one more thing because you had talked about, um, we were talking about the age ranges of our friend groups and you um, were talking about, about a younger friend you have. And I thought that story was absolutely adorable. When you, would you share that with us? Uh, yeah. So one of my really good friends uh, is Dutch. Uh, she just went back to the Netherlands like a few months ago after graduating from UBC. And I met her at a Christmas market. So I was volunteering for an organization called Music Hills. Uh, they promote and uh, get try to raise mo- uh, money and awareness for music therapy. So my job there was to talk to people about music therapy. <laughs> Sweet. And so she came up to the booth with her mom, and I was like, hey, have you ever heard of music therapy? And I, I started telling them about it. And then we started chatting, and she's like, oh, I'm new to Vancouver. And I'm like, oh, really? Where are you from? And, I mean, obviously I could tell she had an accent, like being an ESL teacher for that many years. I was pretty sure she was either Dutch or German. <clears throat> so I was I was leaning toward Dutch, and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm Dutch. And I was like, oh, cool. She's like, hey, like, I feel like we really click. Do you mind if I, if I get your number? I was like, yeah, no problem. Like, call me anytime. It's, I know how hard it can be to be new in a new place. Uh, and then I had some tickets to go through the anthropology museum that I'd gotten on Groupon for a good price. And I totally didn't realize I had those tickets still. And they were about to expire. So I'll, I sent a message and I'm like, hey, I have those tickets for the anthropology museum. Do you want to go with your mom? As uh, They expire this Sunday. She's like, uh, I don't think it's a good idea for me to take my mom because her English is not good enough and she might find it hard to understand everything. Uh, but she was like, hey, if you're free, do you want to go on Sunday? Because I'm an anthropology major and I would love to go. <laughs> and we've been friends ever since. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, I don't know, it was just so random. I had those tickets. She's an anthropology major. What are the odds? Like, Yeah. So what's the age difference? Uh, ooh, I want to say she's like 22, 23. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm horrible at this. I never remember like too many people in my life with too many different ages. I remember my, I remember birthdays. I can tell you when her birthday is, but I can't tell you her age, <laughs> but she's early, in her, in her early twenties. Um, and yeah, when we met, she was like 21, I think. So it's really, really cool to have people like, like to have that age range in your friend group, like in, in the actual friend group. And I think that Mine, mine spans, you know, probably early tw- mid twenties to uh, mid eighties, and it gives you just this uh, 
I get it's a perspective or the ability to to tap on somebody's shoulder and go like, what do you see here? I'm, I see this thing, but what do you see when you look over here from different experience perspectives? I think it's beautiful. I think it's not just the age, though. It's a culture, too, mm-hmm. <laughs> because having friends from different culture, like I have a lot of I have a few really, really good British friends. Uh, I have a few very good Canadian friends. I have a few really good French friends. I have some Dutch friends, some German friends, some Brazilian friends. And uh, I think one thing I've really enjoyed is the differences in level of peaciness. <laughs> uh-huh. so politi- politically, co- politically correct, like level very greatly from one country to the other. <laughs> okay, details. <laughs> um, like, for example, like... Some people are going to find a joke really funny because it's making fun like of the government or like be really sarcastic about something really dark, like the way they're going to joke about it. Uh But for other people, if I tell the exact same joke, they're going to be really shocked. Why would you say that? It's so not politically correct. (laughs) So, so sense of humor wise because you just named off a bunch of different places who has the best sense of humor who's who's more likely to to be the one to crack you up Ooh, uh, so <laughs> naming enough, names. no but like so funnily enough uh so from my students one of my favorite nationality sense humor of humor wise like is korea korean really? people have a really cool sense of humor uh and then like not necessarily in order but like brazilian people i really like i don't know there is a connection there i actually have quite a lot of brazilian friends Mm -hmm. um and then like i love british and australian sense of humor i love how irreverent they they are and how like i grew up (laughs) on the monty pythons so (laughs) same 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 (laughs) yeah so but it's so very particular right like it's i don't know how to explain it it's captain america versus iron man kind of sense of humor fair Fair. that's actually a pretty good comparison (laughs) i like that Uh, that works for me (laughs) i grew up on monty python definitely and um yeah yeah, and I, I actually asked that question in one of my groups the other day because I, um, I don't know if you've ever seen. I think it's the Pink Panther Strikes Again. It's the one where he goes to the castle. I don't think I've seen that one. You should see that then. Yeah, but um, it's different. It's it's yeah. like it's older. It's you know, but um, but yeah, I think that it is a really important to have a good sense of humor. And I do have some. I'm like thinking about my Korean friends, and they actually they're very wry and dry. I I like. I, I lie. <laughs> like Thai people also have a great sense of humor. I'm not saying that Japanese or Chinese people don't have a really good sense of humor, but I think there is more reserve because mm-hmm. like part of the culture is like to present a certain level of professionalism at all time. Mm-hmm. Um, so unless you know them, once you know them well, I have some former Japanese students that crack me up so much, like we'll spend the entire class laughing. But like, I found that like on a kind of first impression level, like Koreans really, really crack me up and Thai people for Asia. uh, And yeah, like 
Germans are actually also really funny. And Dutch people they are. are so dark. Can oh. I tell you the funniest thing? So um, uh, I have a very good friend in Munich, and he and I have been friends since we were 16 and mm. 17, respectively. I nice. met him at a party in Florida when his parents were they were they were on their way to Disney World and I was on <laughs> spring break. So and we've kept each other this long. But I went with my law partner um to visit a long time ago and we were traveling, you know, we stopped at like a, a rest area. We were driving between um, Munich and Tigrancy. And we got out of the car and my my friends like, Well, Andre, how do I know which one is the ladies' room? <laughs> Totally straight face looks at her and he says, "Yours will have a skirt on it." (laughs) (laughs) It still cracks me up. I'm like, and and like her face, she had to like process it, and I'm laughing. I'm like, "No, dude, just he didn't didn't miss a beat." (laughs) I think that's something I really like about Europe, and like, I think. I don't know about the U.S. Like, I have a few friends from the U.S. because I used to play Quidditch and a lot of them are in the U.S. Mm -hmm. But, uh, like, I find here in Canada, like, some people have a very dry sense of humor, but there is a very big fear of not being politically correct that doesn't hold back other nationalities. Yeah. So, like, I do like that in Canada, people are so conscious of others and so considerate. But uh, what it means is their sense of humor can be a bit uh, too vanilla for me. (laughs) I like really dark sense of humor. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we have have really enjoyed this conversation. I'm going to send you something because I think you'll appreciate it just because um, one of the most interesting fun things I found in Memphis, and I guess this is a shout out to the Memphis Sandwich Click too, but it's a <laughs> Facebook group with like fifteen thousand plus Memphians eating sandwiches. That and is it, amazing. It's just that is what this whole group is about. It's sandwiches, and I'll send you because some of the pictures are just a mind blowing. But um, <laughs> I've really, really enjoyed having you here. Thank you for joining us, and. Um, I don't know if you'd like to share um, any way of getting in touch with you, but if my listeners would like to say hello to you, how would they do that? Um, Facebook is a good one because uh, because my former students and a lot of my friends like reach me through that. So in general, I'm fairly available through Facebook. So Julie De Palma, and you'll see how it's spelled once uh, the blo- like on the blurb. So you can try yes. that. Yes. In general, I'm fairly easy to find. I'm one of the only two, I think, on there with that name. So <laughs> fantastic. And yeah. for our listeners, if any of this resonated with you and you yearn to have deeper and more meaningful friendships and more supportive professional networks, it is about connection. Connect with me at uh, www.nancytiltonhand.com and also I have to let you know we have some really cool events coming up starting November 15th through the 20th we are going to go through a five-day holiday social survival challenge because you might not be looking for a fight but some people might and I'm going to make sure you're ready to have a really great holiday and then a three-day live event December 4th through 6th where you will learn to build meaningful friendships from the ground up, from from hello, 
all the way through cultivating long term. So you're definitely going to want to find those. You can find out more at HolidaySocialSurvival.com and TheFriendshipEvent.com. And with that, remember, friends, friendship makes you smarter, happier, stronger, healthier, wealthier, not to mention being absolutely fun, fulfilling, and joyful. So call a friend and get out there and make a new one. And I'll catch you next time.